welcome to Slaying It with Santa Rob. This is episode number 38. Hey, if you want to stay on top of things, uh, hit that subscribe button on Spotify or whatever uh, podcast uh, platform that you're listening to, because I've got some some pretty cool things coming up. And uh, tonight is, is absolutely no exception. We've got uh, the one and only Tim Gaines on with us today. Uh, Striper's bass player for many years. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the past, the present, and the future with Tim. So let's get ready to slay it with Tim Gaines. We are on the line with Tim Gaines. Tim, can you hear me all right? Hey, I hear you, Rob. Can you hear me? You are loud and clear. Pardon the pun. <laughs> You, hey, you, you knew that was that was going to happen sooner or later. I just didn't get it over with. <laughs> well, that was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> so, so a lot of people have been asking me who you're going to have on this year on the podcast. I've had a little bit of everybody lately. Um, had uh, had Dale Thompson on that not that long ago, but uh, a couple of weeks ago I had Kenny Metcalf on. Awesome! Yeah, I uh, I got a I got a chance to listen to that interview. Great interview. Uh, Kenny's I, a great I, guy. Kenny is a card. Yeah, he is. <laughs> and, and and I think the difference between this interview and Kenny's is I will actually be able to talk. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, brother. <laughs> now you know that I texted you an hour ago and told you my voice isn't holding up, so you may be doing a lot of talking as the night well, goes on. We'll see. Well, well, Kenny doesn't let you breathe, you know, or <laughs> let you breathe. He he doesn't take a breath. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, I, I met him back at the first Striper Expo, and uh, we've we've been friends right. ever since. So yeah, and uh, yeah, we love Kenny. He's a he's a great brother, and uh, boy, we've uh, gosh, our our friendships now what forty forty one years, forty two years, or forty yeah. years somewhere in there. So uh, we we've been friends for a long time. No, oh, and you know, just 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 to jump jump back that far uh my my best friend ron i was living up in northern wisconsin at the time and uh, my best friend ron had left town uh i think he went to green bay with his parents and when he came back he said rob rob you've got to hear this album we're talking mid 80s and i said what is it he says just listen and he put on the yellow and black attack wow and my my uh my Christian music listening back then was Randy Stonehill and some early Petra and a little bit of yeah. Larry Norman, but, but this, yeah. this kind of changed everything. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't say that we were the first, but we were uh, probably one of the pioneers as far as, uh, you know, heavy metal and, and just that, that whole genre and how everything just came about. And, uh, you know, there were other guys around L.A. I think they were doing kind of the same thing, but uh, we just kind of took off and got popular. And, and uh, you know, the Lord had his hand on the whole thing, which was which was amazing. Yeah, there, there were other bands, you know, um, I can't remember if Messiah Prophet was playing back then or not. Yeah, but, I think they were. But uh, but you guys made the radio. <laughs> and, and, yeah. So, and for you kids, radio is something you turned into and listened to music on. <laughs> it went along with records. Remember those? Yeah. Records, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. That, 
Man, CDs are almost a thing of the past. Yeah, they are. But <laughs> yeah, how time flies, huh? But I thought it would be fun just to kind of go back and uh, do a little past, present, and future with you. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, uh, from Rock's regime up until now. Yeah. You know, obviously, we don't have 40, 40 years to cover this, so. Well, where do you want to start? The beginning or? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's start at uh, the beginning. Let, let's go to Stormer. Yeah, okay. Well, even before Stormer, I was in a band, uh, several bands, but there was a band uh, that I was in called White Lace. We were kind of a, a cover band, a party band, and we would play people's backyard parties and uh uh, this band Stormer, which was pretty big in LA at the time, and one of the bands that I looked up to, their bass player was Jeremy Masano, was like one of the guys that I kind of idolized as as a musician. And so, anyways, uh, they they used to throw their own uh, concerts and parties. They they host their own uh, parties, and then they'd hire other bands to come and play their parties. Okay. <laughs> and so they, they hired my band white lace to come in and play. And, uh, we played their show, played their party. And, um, for whatever reason, Jeremy, their bass player, uh, had decided to leave and they were looking for a bass player. And I was still in high school at the time. So I was just, wow. you know, like 18 getting ready to graduate high school. And, they uh they asked if i wanted to join the band and so i did of course i said yes i joined i joined stormer and so for the next uh couple of years i that would have been in like uh 1981 mm -hmm. uh 81 82 and uh by the time uh the end of 82 came around i was i was done <laughs> i yeah. was uh, just the lifestyle that, you know, it was just a party animal lifestyle. And just, um, I had, I had accepted the Lord when I was nine years old. <clears throat> and so all this time I had been rebelling, uh, in my teens and, uh, doing drugs and drinking and women, the whole thing. And I, I was just tired. I was convicted, uh, by the Holy spirit the whole time I was, uh, doing all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just felt, you know, God calling me back. So I, I told the guys in Stormer, I said, I, I got to quit. I'm leaving the band. And, and so I, uh, and also, so other things that happened um, during this time, a, a friend of mine uh, that I was in a band with, his name's Michael Guido. And uh, he had come to the Lord and he asked me to go to his, this church with him. And uh, so I went to this church, it was a Calvary Chapel, and the pastor uh, was teaching instead of preaching. He was a, a Bible teacher, mm -hmm. and he was teaching out of the book of Revelation, which I had never, I'd never heard before. Mm -hmm. And I grew up in the church, but I never heard anybody talk about uh, the, anything in Bible prophecy or the book of Revelation. So it really grabbed a hold of me. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I started going to this church and uh, just got involved. And I, you know, I had quit playing music. I thought I was done with music. Um, and then they had me playing uh, at the church. They asked me to play in the church worship band for a while. And then I started feeling like, you know, maybe God's not done with my music. And I started praying, you know, God, just 
to use my uh, music abilities for for something. And uh, uh, there was about the same time that the guys in uh, Rock's regime uh, or Striper, as they're now called, um, they were looking for a Christian bass player. Mm-hmm. And so they had uh, seen a picture in one of the local magazines of Stormer um, promoting a new concert and uh, noticed that I wasn't in the picture anymore. Okay. So long story short, uh, I ended up in, in uh, Rock's regime. Uh, they had been praying for a bass player. I had been praying for a God to use me somehow in music. And uh, it just came together. Robert Sweet called me up one night. I went down to meet them the next day and uh, we listened to the music. They had already recorded most of the songs for that first EP. Okay. So they already had uh, a contract with Enigma at this point. No, they didn't. So, but okay. they had, they had recorded uh, demo tapes. Okay. And uh, so their, their demos didn't have the only song that had Christian lyrics at that time was uh, the song from wrong to right. And the rest of the songs were, uh, you know, typical, you know, about girls or whatever. And, you know, it was just, um, but at any rate, the, the song from wrong to right is what really grabbed me when I, uh, when I first heard the music. And so it, it kind of, they told me about what they wanted to do, their vision. And, you know, I told them that, you know, I'd been seeking, uh, a Christian band to maybe do ministry and, and just to do that. So we, I joined the band and um, things just started to happen uh, right away. And uh, the record deal came and um, we hadn't even done our first show yet. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, this would have been in 1983, August of 83. Okay. Um by February of '84, uh, we had already done our first show, and then we had uh, been going into the studio and re-recording their demos, um, and uh, adding Christian lyrics. So okay. Mike, Michael had changed the lyrics to the songs, and uh, we released that first EP. And I can't remember what month, but it was uh, sometime in '84, and. Uh, it, things just took off from there um, around Hollywood. We, we had been playing uh, and packing out the clubs. And uh, from there, just, you know, we got asked to go to Japan. Um, just all this stuff happened. It just, it was like a big God miracle. Um, and it's not so much for the success as much as uh, the ministry part. Because um, right. like I said, even before we had played our first show, we were doing rehearsals at the suite's uh, house in their garage and we'd invite kids over on a Thursday night for a Bible study where my friend Guido would come up and speak afterwards. We would play music and then he would speak and give a little uh, sermon or whatever. And kids started accepting the Lord in our garage before we had even played our first show. Wow. And then they were going out and getting their friends. And so probably in a, I'd say a few months, there were so many people showing up on Thursday nights. Uh, they weren't able to fit in the garage anymore. They were going out onto the front driveway and the front lawn of the house. And so from there, uh, February of 84, we played our first show and we already had a, a following. We had an audience that came to hear us. And that was down in Costa Mesa, California, okay. in Orange County. 
and uh, I forget who the band was that we were opening for, but they were kind of cocky and and uh, kind of making fun of us. But we packed the place out, and uh, as soon as we got done playing, all of our fans left and left <laughs> left the headlining band with no <laughs> no audience. So it kind of it kind of happened like that, you know. And and from there, things just started happening in Hollywood and and. Uh, you know, we we're packing out the clubs there and we started throwing out Bibles. That was uh, one of the things that we started doing early on. Uh, mm -hmm. New te New Testaments, we'd throw out, you know, 50 or so, 100 or whatever uh, a night. And uh, so uh, the word was going out. Um, the message was going out, you know, of Christ. Um, and we were just growing in popularity. We were, you know, it was different. It was something different. We had the look, you know, we had, we were yellow and black stripes. We had that flashy look. Yeah. Um, we had a great stage show and stage presence. And, you know, so we had that whole, that whole vibe going on. Um, but we were Christians and um, it was, it was different. It went, went against everything that was going on uh, at that time. And so I, I never told you that. Uh, so we, we changed the name uh, early on uh, to uh, Striper. So I think that was about December of 83 when the record company, uh, they asked, asked us to uh, come up with a different name. Okay. And so Robert came up with the name Striper because of everything being striped and, and all that. So. Okay. so, I mean, that's kind of the early, a quick, summary of the early days um and that would have been like 84 and then uh even before uh, soldiers under command came out we had already been some doing like touring and then we were brought into japan uh during the recording of uh, soldiers so if you watch the live in japan video yeah yeah uh you'll notice that some of the lyrics are a little different than what are on the album yep i was gonna ask you about that Yes, because it wasn't it wasn't written yet. <laughs> it wasn't written yet. Yeah. So, um, just to go back to, to the to the first one, I, I read something today on the internet that if I knew, I forgot about. But is it true that CC Deville uh, was auditioned? Yeah. So that was probably before I got in the band. Um, okay. But CC, yeah, CC was. Uh, I don't know if he auditioned or if he was actually in the band for a short time, but that would have been before Oz. And uh, I think the, the guitar player before Oz, his name was Scott. Boy, and this is all before I was in the band. So this is right. Like, uh, so then uh, it's probably around that time frame when, when CC uh, tried out for the band. And it's funny because I knew Cece, I knew him by his real name um, in Hollywood when he first came out from, from the East Coast. And okay. we were even talking about putting a band together. He had a friend, a drummer friend of his that he came out from, uh, I think, from New York or wherever he's from. Um, but he, uh, we were going to put a band together ourselves. And he looked completely different than he does, you know, with the big hair and everything. I mean, he, <laughs> everything went glam, you know, in the mid uh, later to mid eighties. So. Yeah. Cause you guys were out there with, with the uh, poison before they were big. You were out there with Motley Crue and rap right. before they, before they were big. And, and I think you were probably bigger than all those bands I just mentioned at that time. 
you know, it was, uh, you know, Poison was up and coming. Motley was already taking off. Uh, they were like end of uh, 82, I think, is when they started taking off. But the, the thing was, they had never gone overseas. So we, we all went to Japan at the same time in uh, 1985. And uh, we had separate uh, or rival promoters uh, that brought us to Tokyo. And so we, we went over with one promoter, uh, Motley was brought over and then also Joan Jett. We we're all playing, uh, at the same time, like within, you know, the next night of each other. And so we'd see everybody, you know, it was weird because we we're staying at the same hotel with Joan Jett. And, and so you're kind of jet lagged and, you know, you're, you're in a different place and it was different, you know, it was culture shock and, so I get into the hotel uh, elevator to go down to the lobby mm-hmm. one day and uh, Joan Jett is in the elevator and I'm like, you're just not placing because you're in a different place. So I'm like looking at her and she's looking at me and and she reaches out to shake my hand. So we have the same uh, booking agent. And so it turns out it's Joan Jett in the, in the <laughs> elevator and it was like, but wait, you're from the U.S., you know, and so anyways we met for the first time in, in Japan of all things. And so you just had that, you know, we had that camaraderie with, with the other bands and, you know, the guys in Motley, I, I was friends with them way before, before Striper, you know? So, um, you know, and everybody knew each other from, from LA. So it wasn't like, you know, they, they talk about all the bands were rivals and everything, but it wasn't really, you know, you, you would join one band and be out the next day and be in another band, you know, but everybody right. kind of knew each other and everybody hung out together and was, you know, kind of a big family. Well, let's be thankful we didn't have the internet back then because everybody's heads would have been exploding from all the rumors. Oh yeah, for sure. You, you know, I, mean, we, I mean, it was funny enough reading, you know, Motley Crue, Striper, the heaven and hell tour or, or whoever it might be that, that whatever magazine was going to set you up with this time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and none of that ever happened. You know, we no. always headlined our own shows and and uh, never played with Motley. Um, but you know that that's how you know they put uh, Blackie Lawless and Robert Sweet on the cover of I think Hit Parade or you know yeah. suddenly it was like Heaven and Hell tour with them. Yeah. So, so jumping up to, to to Soldiers, that brought a whole new dimension because that your your fan base just grew even bigger and bigger. Yeah. So, you know, with soldiers, we, well, while we were, uh, when I joined the band, we we're already writing songs. So most of those songs on the, on the EP were already written. And then I think, uh, we started writing, uh, uh, you know what to do. That was, uh, a new song that was written, uh, with all four of us and put on the yellow and black attack. And then, uh, we were also writing songs uh, after that recording uh, for the Soldiers or what became the Soldiers album. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we just went right in and it seemed like everything happened uh, in about a year. You know, we're right back in the studio again. And after uh, doing some touring and and uh, going overseas and coming back and and so everybody was ready for Soldiers. And uh, we did a video for that. Um, well, we did Soldiers Under Command. I, I think we did was the first video. Yeah. And I think that was our first 
Oh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't our first one. You know what to do was our first actual music video. And then Soldiers uh, came after that. But, uh, yeah, so we went in and recorded Soldiers with uh, Michael Wagner, who had done everybody. I mean, at that point, he was, I think, kind of famous for uh, Dawkins and... Uh, I think he was doing Metallica at the time when, or somebody was, I can't remember who was doing Metallica, but okay. at any rate, you know, we were all, and so we were in the studio at the same time that Metallica was, was recording a, a black album. Okay. And uh, we, we were in separate studios, but in the same, same building. So we'd all go in the lobby and kind of play ping pong or <sighs> video games or whatever. We'd all be hanging out in the same room. Uh <sighs> So, you know, soldiers, uh, we, we did that, um, came out, and we went right back out on the road again. And this time we were playing uh, went clubs, uh, from clubs and theaters, and we pretty much stayed in, uh, you know, the larger clubs and theaters. And then we, uh, uh, boy, I don't remember where we toured that time, but mostly states. I can't remember if we went to Europe at that point or not. I yeah. think that came a year later. Yeah. Yeah, because you know our, things things just progressed as as we went on. Yeah, the, the the more albums, the more the popularity. I was still living in northern Wisconsin when "To Hell with the Devil" came out, and uh, uh, my my buddy Ron was living here in Indianapolis already, and he called me one day and he said, "Hey, Striper's going to be playing at Butler University at uh, Clues Hall." Uh huh. And I instantly said, "Buy me two tickets." You know, keep in mind this <laughs> well, is an eight hour drive. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, a, another friend of mine, D Danny, Danny and I jumped in his old Subaru and drove all the way from Rhinelander, Wisconsin to Indianapolis just to see you guys. Wow. And we drove back the next morning, first thing. And yeah. uh, we, we had terrible seats in the balcony, but there really are no bad seats at that venue. Uh -huh. But, uh, but uh, back then, a uh, hurricane was the opener. Right. And, and, and then, uh, then you guys took the stage and my jaw dropped. And I finally understood the hype because ah, it yeah. was just as you, you, you were just as good live as you were recorded. Well, better live because I'm more of a live guy anyway. Yeah. But you can feel the energy. It's like, right. Wow. Wow. It's and <laughs> it's yeah, it was we, worth the eight hour drive. We, we are, we were a well, still, I guess they still are, but we were a great live band and, uh, that was one of our things, you know, we always wanted to do a great show, put on a great show, uh, have the sound perfect and, you know, vocals, everything was, you know, geared towards uh, doing a good show and being better than everybody else at what we did, you know, and at that time too. So I, I didn't, we were talking about Kenny. And so um, on the, uh, on the first album, I did the keyboards, whatever mm -hmm. keyboards you can hear. Um, and then Soldiers, I also played, uh, there's a piano song on there that uh, was a studio guy that played. And then I did other keyboards. Um, what else? What else? Uh, so live, though, that's what I was getting at. Live, yeah. I was playing, uh, I would be playing like synthesizer and keyboards like for songs like First Love. Mm -hmm. and uh it was really it was kind of hard to play that and play bass at the same time it's like i'd hold out a chord on the keyboard right. and then i'd hit the hold button or the pedal 
to hold that chord out and I play some bass lines. So it's starting to get frustrating uh, playing playing bass and keyboards uh, at right. the same time. And so, um, and Kenny had been friends with the guys even before I was in the band. And uh, so he came in and played, uh, he started playing live and I, you know, he gave his his testimony and his story about his experiences with the band. Yeah. But he, he continued on and uh, until about uh, the to hell with the devil period. And then I can't remember if he left before then or a little after, but um, you know, then we, we ended up getting another guy, Brent Jeffers to, to come in and play keys. Yeah. And he, he played keys. Um, yeah. My, my wife and I have had uh, together was one played at our wedding. Right. Yeah. As well as every other young couple back then. But uh, yeah, it was, a good, <laughs> it was a good wedding song. I think everybody, everybody in the eighties who was a striper fan, they got married. Yeah. Yeah. Probably you, had had to, song played. yeah. You, you had to have a striper song and that's the one that fit. Yeah. But, uh, awesome. yeah, we, uh, the the on uh in god we trust you guys played in green bay which was a thank goodness a lot closer drive and away <laughs> from, from where i lived so we got to see that tour with uh yep who you were with uh kelly oh boy i just went blank mike tramps band oh white lion white yeah. lion yeah yeah so yeah that was an, that was another amazing show right and you know, yeah, that, that was the that was probably that that period was probably the highlight. Uh, the In God We Trust tour when we toured with White Lion, um, and then things kind of started to descend after that point. But I mean, we can get to that in a little bit. But yeah, um, you know, so Kenny Kenny played keys, um, and I believe Brent started playing on uh, To Hell with the Devil at the live shows. And um, we actually had, uh, it, during the In God We Trust period, we had uh, two keyboard players. We had a, another, uh, we had a girl named uh, Karen Child who also played keyboards. So we had uh, Brent and Karen both playing keys off to the side of the stage. <laughs> yeah, so we had a lot of stuff to cover, you know, especially on, uh, on the In God We Trust tour because we had a lot of vocals and just... Um, string parts and things that normally you know would be covered or not played but we wanted to to uh, sound like the album as much as we could so we we had a lot of string parts and things covered by by the extra keyboard players then and, and not to, and it, a topic that everybody talks about now is uh are the backtracks oh yeah I, you, you had to have backtracks on the opening of god we trust the vocals um, were too perfect. Oh yeah, that I, that whole tour. So, in fact, I think Brent his his uh, part during that tour was just to play. Uh, everything was sampled. We had uh, harmonies, background harmonies sampled, and his his place was just to play the samples. And now people do everything on a computer, but back right. then, you know, everything was everything was sampled and then he'd have a certain key on a keyboard and that would hit a certain harmony. And he, he had a whole map um, attached to his keyboard where he knew uh, every single part. In fact, right. he, it, it's kind of interesting. Maybe one day you get him on, but uh, he, 
he used uh, yardsticks huh. on top of his on top of the keys. On you know, so you have a full or seventy-eight or eighty-eight uh, key keyboard, and he would put yardsticks on top of it with each. Uh, so like every inch or two, there would be a different key uh, with a different sample attached to it. So he had that as a map. And so he would look at the yardstick with tape on it that would, everything was written out on top of the keyboard of what sample went to where, uh, to yeah. what key. And then he, he, would, he would just hit that key for our harmonies. I, and we were singing too, but I mean, to get, you know, like 40 part harmonies right uh, on top of the the me and oz the two the two voices plus you know a whole choir behind us you know that was all done that was all sampled yeah you guys you know <laughs> you had some amazing high vocals but um to, to me to, to me back then it's like nope they're singing that good <laughs> i didn't want to it's like yeah, no, well, nobody no. knew back then <laughs> nobody knew what that stuff was back yeah. then and then they but... found out about millie vanilli and then you know, <laughs> everything went to pot <laughs> and that's and that's a whole nother topic yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah no, it, it was that bad <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah I, I recently found out that one of those guys couldn't even speak english yeah, it's like he didn't even oh, know yeah. he was doing this. Like, yikes. Yeah. Well, we had a we had one show, uh the last show we did with White Lion, where usually bands will play pranks on each other when you're when you're doing your last night. And they came up because they knew that we had background vocals that were sampled. And so they came up during one of the songs that we were doing heavy vocals on and they they ran on stage and grabbed our microphones <laughs> <laughs> while they're while the sing the background vocals are going off you know in the speakers and we're up there lip syncing and uh yeah there's no microphones so that was that was a prank they played on us uh, yeah and they yeah got gotta love the practical jokes yeah, and we'd get them with, uh, we, we'd had uh, walkie-talkies, and we'd go up to their amplifiers, you know, like a CB radio. If you've ever seen Spinal Tap, where the the air traffic controller's coming through the guitar player's amp. Yes. Uh, so we kind of did that to them. <laughs> you know, just fun, fun, innocent pranks. Then, uh, in, in, uh, that tour ends against the laws happening. And that's where things started to change a whole lot. Yeah. So I think even towards, uh, towards the end of, uh, I started for me, um, if you want to call it backsliding or whatever, I was just, I was to a point where um, we had been picketed and blasted by, it seemed like everybody just, it just, war on you after a while and i'm like right. just getting i was just burned out and uh you know within the band we were kind of self-policing each other you know making sure we stayed on the straight and narrow and it was just kind of it was very stressful and uh for me i'd say towards the end of in god we trust um i started going back to my old habits or old ways and uh you know, I'd go to the hotel room at night and I'd order a six pack of beer or whatever. And sure. um, so I, I started getting involved with that again. And then um, I don't know when it, it maybe uh, 
very, very end of that tour, I noticed that, you know, we were all kind of isolated from each other. You know, we'd all be like in our own hotel rooms. Uh, you know, we'd all have our own dressing rooms. We didn't really hang out together anymore. Okay. And um, so it was just kind of a kind of a downer point. And uh, so for me, like I said, the drinking started and that would have been like end of 88. Um, I started smoking again. And so I picked up a habit of cigarettes and, and drinking. And uh, that carried on. Uh, in fact, that carried on until uh, maybe five years ago. Um, I had been drinking. I quit smoking in 2015. And uh, the Lord delivered me from uh, alcohol uh, very recently. I'd say in the last five years, four years. That's awesome. Uh, so, you know, and it was something I was, you know, I was a, I wouldn't call myself a drunk, but I was a functioning uh, drinker. Okay. And uh, I get up and go to work and I did all my party stuff at night afterwards when all the work was done and out of the way. And, you know, it's pretty much how I lived and uh, did that for a long time. And it really, it, I, it destroyed my life, destroyed marriages, destroyed, uh, you know, if, if you let a, and this is, this is where I go, you know, cause now I'm, I'm doing other things with my life, but this is right. where as a Christian, as a believer, if you allow uh, compromise into your life, um, that opens the door for right, right. Satan to come in, the enemy to come in and just take over and destroy your life. And that's what happened to me. That's what happened. Uh, a little, yeah. little compromise, you know, led to uh, a lot of compromise in the end. Yeah, you know, it's and it's a good thing that God doesn't uh, use perfect people. I mean, look at the look at the twelve disciples. Right, right. Well, that's the whole thing, though. There's that but God moment, you know. But for God, you know, for the sake of God and for His grace, uh, you know, I'm I'm here, you know, as a testimony today of the the things that God can do and the restoration that God can do in, in one's life. So, yeah, it's, it, well, I, I had a wake up call a few years back when the Rich Mullins movie came out. I, I didn't know a whole lot about Rich. Yeah. And I watched that movie and discovered he was an alcoholic. Mm. And it's like, Oh, he was human. Yeah. There's a lot of Christian artists that are human. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, they know, to, you know, a lot of the, the Christian music fans and a lot of people in church, you know, I, I think it's harder as a Christian artist to uh, to deal with uh, just everyday life because there's so much more expected of you than if you were just, you know, in a secular band because you're expected to, to party and do all that stuff. But um, as a Christian you're not and under the microscope and in uh, in the spotlight or however you want to put it um there's really no room for mistakes right and uh so there's a lot of pressure there and that makes things even worse and if you don't have a core group of people that you can uh be accountable to you know like right. i said uh, we were I, I was isolated you know the other guys were and so this is where we get into the against the law era because it turns out we were all kind of feeling the same the same way you know one night i ordered a, a 12 pack of beer and the the uh 
what do you call it? The, uh, the guy who brings your, your food up room service. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert sweet was across the hall from me yeah. in his room. And he had done the same thing unbeknownst ah. to me. And so when the, the guy knocked on my door and I went to get my, my drink and Robert had done the same thing. So, uh, at that point we kind of had this bonding, uh, which we didn't have the previous years, you know, Hey, let's, you know, get together, you know? So we, we kind of, that's kind of how the against the law era happened for us. We were, we were kind of against each other, uh, up until that point. And then we kind of let our hair down and realized, Hey, we can have fun together. And, you know, you know, and it was, you know, that went on to the worst things, but, um, it really came out of, you know, we were just isolated. Uh, each one of us was just kind of, I think we were disillusioned by uh, maybe not success, but maybe uh, the church in general and right. uh, how we were trying to do something and present the gospel, but um, everyone had turned against us. Um, I remember the last night of, uh, I think it was against the law, I forget what town we were playing in, and the promoter had invited some of these street pastors, or I call them parking lot pastors, mm-hmm. that were with the bullhorns and the signs and everything. He invited them into our show and brought them in to meet us afterwards. And they're turned into this big argument, this shouting match between the promoter and these these pastors. And I was just kind of, wow, I, was, I, I would think at that point I was just like done with, with everything. Right. And so I just kind of, isolated and and backed off from everything i was i was looking at other bands yeah. you know what seemed you know on the outside you'd look at guys like motley crew all hanging out together and riding motorcycles and having fun and you know they were like a gang and it was like we weren't we were kind of you know we were just isolated and and so you know god had to take us to a low point and that's kind of what happened during uh, against the law. I think the music, I think the music that came out of that period was great. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not lyrically, but I mean, as a band, we actually went went in for eight months and just uh, hung out every day. We wrote music uh, together as a band, and then we went in and recorded all that. And you get that rawness that. Uh, like a, the whole band vibe, it's not so it's not so produced like uh, the right. the previous albums, right? And so, anyways, after that, you know, I I think God really took His hand off of us. Um, the blessing, things just fell apart, and uh, you know, we first thing I think that happened, if I remember correctly, was our record label dropped us. Um. Or no, they went out of business. That's what happened. They filed bankruptcy, and uh, and then after that, I think Michael, uh, I think he decided he was done, and he went he went and did his solo, started mm-hmm. doing solo, and the rest of us, you know, Oz, Rob, and myself, we we tried uh, to keep it going uh, for another year. This would have been like ninety two, right. 93 somewhere in there we we did a three-piece we went and toured in europe and did some shows um with oz singing lead vocals and then of course we had uh, dale thompson came in uh, he did one show with us 
Right. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of think we, we all kind of mutually agreed. I think he was kind of, he was under a lot of pressure and I think he just, you know, we, we kind of agreed that we weren't going to really continue on. So, um, so he did the one show with us and I think we, we did a few others in, uh, in uh, Europe. And then I think we called it a day and then Oz and I ended up doing uh, the Sin Dizzy. Right. From there. Which, which, which I was fortunate enough to see you guys in Parsippany at that one. Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. a fun show. We played, played there. So yeah. Um, it was a different band, you know, different sound altogether, but you know, we had a lot of fun. Um, and it was something that we actually put together on just as a jam band. We, we weren't really yeah. serious about doing anything. We just wanted to get together on Saturdays, you know, which is Oz's day off. And we would get together on a Saturday at the drummer's house and just kind of jam. And that turned into making some music and right. so, and then recording that. And so, you know, things just kind of progress as, as you go along. Well, that, I think that, uh, well, again, my, my buddy Ron, he and I drove all the way to Parsippany from Indianapolis. I think we get, I think we get the uh, award for farthest travel to see wow. at that point. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think, and I also think my ears are still ringing from the Sin Dizzy set. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I say what a lot. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. But it was something else to see you, to see Striper back together in that smaller venue because it was magic. Right. Right. You know, we, you know, and when it, we'd have those moments where we, you know, like the, uh, you know, we do those, uh, I don't know, what do they call the thing uh, in Persephone? What was it called? Oh, the, the Striper Expo. The Expo. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, as you get older, you start forgetting <laughs> words. <laughs> Expo is the word. Expo. So, yep. so anyways, uh, yeah, so we did those. We did the one on the West Coast also. And, you know, it was a lot of fun. And that kind of got things uh, in motion for us getting back together. Um, we also did a show with Michael. So uh, Sandizzi did. We played in Puerto Rico. Okay. Uh, and we did the show. And Michael Sweet uh, also played as a solo artist. And then at the very end of the show or the end of the night we had a huge audience i mean there's like ten thousand people that came to see michael sweet and striper or not striper yeah. but uh send dizzy yeah and i think they build it as a strike maybe a striper show or a possible striper show but okay. um so we did our set and michael did his set and then at the end we got together and did a few uh striper songs and everybody went crazy and i think that kind of set the ball rolling for for us to get back together in the early 2000s yeah and, and that's kind of where the 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 best of isn't that how the best of spun about right so there was the uh the what is it called is it seven yeah seven seven yes yeah. so yeah we did that um and then he added uh michael had some songs that um i think he did or had from a solo project and i came in and played bass on it and then we added those to the album. Um, and so we put that out and then we ended up doing a tour. Yeah. That was what, 2001? Wait. Seven came out in 2003. Three, okay. 
So, yeah, right around that time. Oh, no, they did a best of. No, that was. You're right. Okay. I don't know. Don't ask me anything. I don't know. What... <laughs> <laughs> it's always the bass player who's lost. I don't know. I don't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you're right. I had somebody else correct me on something the other day. It was, it was like, I, yeah, you're right. I don't. I was there, but I don't remember. So, um, but I, at any rate, we did. Uh, we started doing the those shows, and um, we did seven weeks uh, across America, or a live uh, whatever that album. We ended up doing a live album with it. Yeah. We did a Puerto Rico album, uh, or not an album, but a video in uh, two thousand four. Okay. Um, so there was a live in Puerto Rico, and then uh, I was just kind of, you know, thing, things weren't the way that I had remembered. Um, it wasn't fun because we were back to, you know, now we're older, but we're back to sleeping, you know, all the band members in, you know, one or two hotel rooms along with the crew, kind of like how we did in the early days. Right. <laughs> we were back to like, you know uh hardcore road life yeah motel six and a little caesar's pizza similar yeah uh, along those lines and i was just kind of i was just not uh having a a good time with it all and i wanted to remember the band as things were in the past so um we had some some stuff going on between michael and myself i think in uh, 2004 just some words and uh I just, uh, I felt, you know, it's probably best for me to step down and, and, uh, back away at that point. Yeah. And that's what I did. So I was, uh, and at that point I was living in Nashville. I moved from California to Nashville and I was, uh, uh, trying to get into the, uh, the scene out there and just, you know, and I had, I had done, uh, touring with other artists at that point. And, you know, so I was, I was just trying to get my feet with with other styles of music and and um, go that route. <clears throat> Excuse yeah. me. And so that's what I did for the next five years. I uh, recorded a lot. Um, I, I actually recorded a solo album in two thousand nine. I, I have a copy of my collection. It's autographed. Awesome. <laughs> so that that was you know when I rejoined Striper in two thousand end of two thousand nine. Uh, my plan was at that point, I was going to go out to, uh, just play clubs, put a band together and, and promote that album. Sure. You know, nothing, nothing big, just, you know, more for self gratification than anything else. And, uh, that was about the time that, uh, Michael's wife had passed. Yeah. And so, you know, to pay my condolences, I went up to, uh, to the funeral and, um, you know, that touched Michael's heart. And so we, we started speaking again at that point. And he mentioned that they were going to be doing the uh, 25th anniversary tour. Mm -hmm. And the, the plan was for Tracy Ferry, who would replace me, he would play the new stuff. And then I would come in and play. So we do like two sets. So there would be a set of the new stuff with Tracy. And then uh, I would come in and play some of the older songs. And so that was the idea. And then, um, when was this 2000 end of 2009 i believe 2010 um was when all this started to go down um and tracy d decided he didn't want to he didn't want to do it 
So then I was brought in full time to, you know, as an employee at this point, I just want, I was coming in just to do the 25th anniversary tour. Okay. And then that progressed, you know, then we did, uh, uh, what did we do after that? We did uh, the covering, the covering, uh, we did that. And then, uh, just one thing led to the next, we kept touring and you know, it was like, <laughs> I guess I'm back in the band at this point, but I, I, I came in, uh, at that last, you know, the last section from 2009 or 10, whenever I rejoined, uh, I, I just came in as an employee of the band. I didn't really have, uh, say as I did in the, you know, in the past, um, in the past, we were actually a partnership. So each one of us owned and were part of 25% of, of Striper. And then, um, you know, that last section, it was just like, I, I was just an employee, and I didn't really think in the beginning that I would continue on. I thought I was just doing the tour, the one tour, and then things just progressed from there until right. uh, 2017. Yeah. Was, uh, I, I want to say that I was, oh boy, it was the No More Hell to Pay tour. I think that was the first time I'd ever bought a, uh, a meet and greet. You okay. guys played the House of Blues. Yeah. In Chicago, <clears throat> yeah, and and everybody was the whole band was there, but Robert wasn't at the meet and greet because he was under the weather. Yeah, that's yeah. possible. Yeah, yeah, he came he came out for the show, but uh, didn't come out before the for the meet and greet. But uh, yeah, that so yeah, Striper's responsible for me spending money at meet and greets now. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, I know that's you know love them or hate them. Those are the that's how the bands. Well, really kind of make money now or help well, the, make money. The thing that was nice is they were affordable then. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now they're just, now they're just ridiculous. But uh, there's bands that charge like 3000 bucks or maybe more. I don't know. Well, but... Yeah. But you never put on the makeup and spit the blood. So that didn't happen no. with you. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Gave a lot of blood, but didn't. <laughs> didn't spit. Yeah, yeah. Didn't spit the blood. There was no flames flying from uh, guitars, right. but. Uh, yeah, then the last time I saw you with the band was you played Rocktoberfest here in Indianapolis with uh, Petra and uh, Rex and White Cross. Yeah, that's right. I was yeah. I was with uh, Petra the whole time down down in the green room because uh, uh, I'm, I'm buddies with, with John Schlitt, so I was down there with, right. with those guys. Yeah, and I, can, and I John's my buddy. He's yeah he he's second to none. But it was fun because uh, I could hear you guys across warming up and uh, put, putting on a great show. You know, it was it was it was just a good time. And then then shortly thereafter, we discovered that Tim's out of Striper again. Yeah, kind of the the revolving door. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I you know, like I said, and this is where you know from from the end of uh the in god we trust era through you know 2017 i had just progressively been getting worse i covered it up pretty good in the daytime but my health was taking a toll mm -hmm. um i contracted lyme disease in 2008 so that doesn't help but um just with all the drinking and smoking and just my health wasn't wasn't doing well um my my personal life was out of control and uh, it just wasn't a good fit any longer and uh so um 
at any rate, I, I had, uh, I didn't know if I was going to remain in the band or what, but I was, I was finally, uh, let go in, uh, end of 2016. Um, no, actually I did the last show with them on the Monsters of Rock Cruise in 17. So that would have been like February of 17. Okay. And then there was a, several months that went by where I didn't know if I was in the band or not. And then, uh. I was finally released of my services. <laughs> uh, that would have been probably the middle of May or so of, of 2017. Okay. But th- things changed and uh, you're feeling pretty good about life now. Yeah. So I had, um, like I said, my life was out of control and it got even worse. And uh I, uh, just addiction and, uh, boy, I was, I was in a bad place until, uh, 2020. And so mm-hmm. COVID, I, I was starting to, I was praying, God help me. I'm out of control. I can't help myself. I am, you know, I am addicted to, uh, at this point, opiates, um, drinking and, uh, sleeping pills. And, uh, I couldn't stop. And uh, the opiates part was was the worst. And so I started taking opiates. Um, I was prescribed because of uh, uh, joint arthritis, you know, from uh, the Lyme disease. Mm-hmm. And so what started off was, uh, you know, following the prescription, which was very mild. Um, I used I used opiates to to help myself to stop drinking, um, to take away the, the, uh, you know, you, you, you quit drinking and you want to replace it with something. So instead Mm -hmm. of, uh, just stopping, I replaced that with, with opiates. And so, um, and that, that took over pretty quick. And, um, so for several years, 17, 18, let's see, 2018 19 into 2020 i was like just dealing with uh opiates and trying to get off of uh uh, my pain medication Mm -hmm. which i finally did and uh so that happened uh in 2020 and right around the time covid hit so everything was coming to fruition in the world I, I felt God was just like, this is your last chance. You know, I'm giving you a chance to, to get clean. And it was hard. And um, I have a, I have a, not an appreciation, but I, I can appreciate people now that are coming off of addiction, especially to things like opiates, because now I understand what it's like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I felt God, you know, just, he was cleaning me up. My wife and I, both of us, we were, we were done with the world in that sense. Uh, we were done with uh, allowing things into our lives, uh, whether it be TV shows or, you know, we went, we went completely opposite as far as where we were at. Uh, watching TV and movies and, you know, things that normal people do, we, we thought that that stuff had such an influence on our lives um for the enemy for satan that we just got rid of it all All and we just we started watching uh church 
and that's where it really started. Um, and around the time COVID happened, we, we started getting, uh, both of us getting interested in Bible prophecy again. Uh, this would have been uh, early, what, 2020. I had been on the road, by the way. I had also been in several other bands. Um, yeah, you, you were with Aldo so Nova then, too, weren't you? With, with Aldo, uh, we never toured. And so that, that whole thing kind of dismantled when COVID hit because we had okay. a tour planned. Um, I had also been in a band uh, with, uh, 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 it was called Of Gods and Monsters. It was yeah. uh, kind of a, a super group of uh various players and so so we had we had been on the road with them when covid hit and uh i remember driving home this was what the end of 2019 or early early 2020 driving home from uh new mexico or where was i it doesn't matter i was driving home and i remember hearing on the radio that all the stuff was going down in italy and i'm like gee i wonder if that's gonna come here mm-hmm I hope it doesn't come here. Then next thing you know, it's like, you know, here it is. We're, we're hit with that. So it's like, and then my eyes started to get open to all the stuff going on in the world again, you know, with the Bible prophecy and end times, you know, and stuff that the Bible actually speaks about is going to happen in the last days, you know, it's starting mm-hmm. to, to come to pass. And so it was like a huge wake up call. Um, and both my wife and I, we just started devoting our our whole life back to the lord you know he he cleaned us up we are uh new creations in christ so to say you know you, you turn from your sin you know turning from your sin is repenting you know you turn uh it's a change of mind in that sense um the lord cleans you up and uh yeah. that's what he did with my life and so we just started getting involved with church on tv first of all because everything was closed down and we sure. started looking and we we live in uh the phoenix area we started looking for a bible prophecy church you know somebody that actually taught like calvary chapel for instance if you're familiar with their teaching mm-hmm. expository teaching rather than a pastor getting up and giving a sermon they actually right. read the bible and right. read line by line verse by verse etc so we were looking for a church like that and we found one but it was uh it was about a 180 mile round trip every Sunday. So, oh wow! Um, about the same time, I I had started uh, giving my testimony, and uh, I had a church up in uh, Prescott Valley, Arizona, uh, brought me in to uh, speak at their church just to give my testimony, and and so I did that, and. Uh, touched a lot of lives um mm-hmm. i was i was kind of surprised and the pastor and i kind of hit it off and and uh he asked if i would be interested in uh helping out at the church you know as a as an associate pastor being his mm-hmm. his assistant and so you know i prayed about it and uh you know i i ended up getting ordained in that church um and uh Spent the next year, uh, year and a half uh, as an associate pastor. Wow. And so I actually have been, for the last year, I've been teaching uh, the Bible. I've been teaching uh, Bible prophecy. I, I just went through the book of Revelation and the book of Daniel. Um, in November, I, I ended up leaving the church. And uh, we were 
now uh, we're involved with another church here in, in the Phoenix area because it's it was a good uh, 175 mile round trip uh, every or twice a week. I'd have to drive up midweek and then I'd have to drive up on uh, Sundays. And it's just it got to the point where it's just getting really really tired and I was burning out. Right. So at any rate, um, I'm getting back uh, into teaching again. Uh, I'll be doing studies starting this spring. Uh, and I do that online. So um, anyway, so God's just done, you know, in my life, uh, as far as music goes, that's kind of on the back burner. I yeah. still play, I still do recording. And that's what I've been doing uh, for, boy, 20 years. Um, right. I had have a studio in the house and I do a lot of recordings for different artists on uh, uh, just over the internet. They send right. me their songs. I play the bass tracks, send them back. And so, you know, that's that's one of the things I had been doing uh, musically. And I had been doing that with Aldo, by the way, uh, Aldo Nova. Okay. So, um, at any rate, with uh, the whole COVID thing, uh, Aldo's tour got canceled uh, for that year. And then he's just now, I think he put a band back together and he's just now out on the road again. Okay. Um, but, you know, things happen for a reason, and uh, it's all part of my preparation. I think God put me in different places and brought me down to the depths of my, you know, as far as I could go. I mean, it could probably go worse, but, you know, it's like it took me to bringing me to the bottom of myself to make me uh, reach up and ask for his His help, you know, and to, to save me from myself. And... Uh, he has, you know, he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And, and, uh, and, uh, he never has, you know, as many times as I've, uh, struggled and fallen away from the Lord, uh, he's always been there to, uh, to take me back you know, kind of the prodigal son story. Uh, as for, as, as humans, we are not all that smart sometimes. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. <laughs> I, yeah. I, yeah, I just tell people I'm just a schmuck who lives in a cornfield called Indiana sometimes. No. I, I don't know why God cho chose me to do some things that I've done, but you know, it's like he doesn't pick perfect people. No. I mean, if we were perfect, we wouldn't need the Lord, right? Yeah. It's like he, he takes uh, imperfect people and he per it's his perfection. Like that's yeah. the whole thing with Christianity. It's not what we do. It's not our works. It's what he does in us. And it's what yeah. he's done on the cross, what Christ did for us on the cross. Yeah. And uh, all we have to do is believe in that. That's what I, I love John 3, 16. You know, it's probably one of my favorite verses. Because um, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish. But have everlasting life. So it's like, you know, we are our part. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves. It's it's just a matter of believing what he did for us right. on the cross. And that's, you know, and that's it. It's like some people think, well, I, I'm a good person. You know, I, you know, if you ask them if they're going to heaven, well, you know, I'm pretty sure I am. You know, I'm a good person, but, you know, you're not good enough because the Bible says all have fallen short, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And um, 
there's none righteous, not one, you know, but, uh, you know, the Lord, you know, also says in Romans uh, 10, 13, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved or shall be saved. And so if anybody out there is like struggling, you know, call on the Lord, give him that. That's the thing that God loves a challenge, you know, challenge him to, to change your life. And he will challenge him to show himself and he will show himself to you. He will make his presence known. And, um, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Tim, we covered a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Did we get every album? I don't. (laughs) Yeah. I I think we skipped a couple, but that's okay. (laughs) That's that's okay. Yeah. I I wanted to say, I I met you several times at NAM show, whether at NAM shows or meet and greets and stuff. I, I don't know yeah. why, but you, you were always the guy that I wanted to meet, uh, to talk to. Well, well it's and, an uh, honor. You, you, uh, I think one of the first NAM shows that I ran into you at was in Nashville. Okay. Oh, yeah, summer I, NAM, yeah. Yeah, because I was doing, uh, I, I've worked for In Music Wholesale for the last, it'll be 19 years in May. Okay, so, well, I, wow, that, what a trip. I bet we know each other because... We, I worked in retail for, well, for 10 years from uh, 93 to 2003. I worked, I managed a music store. And uh, then I also managed again, I was a, a manager, uh, regional manager for Guitar Center when I lived in Nashville. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, uh, you, you came by the booth. I was, at the time, I was working for a company that was, uh, that developed Mod Tone effects pedals. And uh, you came by. I, I messaged you on Facebook and I told you I was going to, where I was going to be. And you actually came by. When what you was said the company? You, I worked for SHS international. Okay. And, uh, their, their big thing was entry level instruments, uh, Indiana guitars, but we had a, okay. a effects pedal line called mod tone. Yeah. And you came by and you were just as gracious as could be. So I never got to thank you in public for that. So I'll thank you here. It was, it was great. Awesome. You're welcome, brother. <laughs> well, you but, know, I, I, I know your name cause I, I see your name a lot, you know, and you know, it's, you got to give credit to Facebook for something because, you know, I see names a lot that come through and there's a lot of people, you know, just on yeah. a friends list or, you know, whatever fan page or whatever, but there's, there's always names that come through and I always see your name a lot and it has, it has come through over the years and you know i always know rob i know rob q and i i know the i know the name i just in fact i i put a face together with you and you know that's where i thank facebook because there's a lot of people that you see their names and then you can put a face to it it's like the members of of my church i i had like had such a struggle trying to remember people's names i'd call everybody bro or dude or right <laughs> brother or whatever and it's like as soon as i started seeing them on my friends list and i was like wow you know i can't remember 100 people's names that's not bad i i, I was going through facebook pictures earlier today because I think the last time that I actually talked to you was at uh, uh, NAM in Anaheim when you were showing your new signature base. Right. That would have been 2012, I think. It was 12. I put put that picture up on my... I very seldom use X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. 
but I put that picture on my uh, Twitter today and tagged you in it. And I laughed because back then I just had the big biker Fu Manchu and, sh- and I was still shaving my head. So not, now if you look at me, it's like, yeah, oh, he said. Yeah, I'm just yeah, opening it up right now for the first time today. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I do look like Santa now. So, <laughs> <laughs> which, which is why it's called slaying it with Santa Rob. But, <laughs> but, uh, but one thing that I ask everybody who's on, on my podcast is, uh, is if you could play with anyone, if you could play bass or sing with anybody dead or alive, who would that be? Mm. Gosh, I played with so many people already. Yeah. Um, boy, I boy Keith Green, I think. Wow. I know he's no passed has- on, but I I love Keith Green's yeah. music, and uh, man, what a blessing it would have been to be in his band. No kidding. Yeah. No, you're the first. Nobody has said Keith before. Yeah. So I, so I, no, I, I, I I grew up on uh, Keith Green and Second Chapter of Acts. So yes. that's been like my mainstay. I play with them too, but uh, you know Matthew Ward and, and all those guys. It was like uh, I got to meet them on their farewell tour, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Second Chapter of Acts. Yeah. So. Yeah, but it, no, I people probably think I'm like all in the metal and everything, but I'm I'm not. I, I can't stand it to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, guys that play piano and sing and good vocals, you know, and Keith Green's inspirational music, uh, you know, throughout the the late seventies into the early eighties was just like man. Uh, even now, and that's been a big part uh, in my. Uh, and my return to the Lord has been uh, Keith Green and second chapter of Acts, you know, yeah. and uh, just that music ministers to me so yeah. much along with uh, like Maranatha music, you know, the sure. Maranatha singers and all that stuff. So yeah, I, I geek out on that kind of stuff and I, I'd always want to be involved in uh, praise and, and uh, worship music of some type, regardless of who, who the leader was. It's, that's just what I do. And yeah. uh, that's what I've been doing for the last several years now. Well, when when this when this airs, I'm going to have to. I'm friends with Matthew Ward. I'm going to have to send him a copy of this because oh, he's, yeah. Awesome. Said, Ma- Ma- Matthew, get a hold of Timothy. He'll 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 work with you. And you guys yeah. are close. You're in Colorado. You can work. Yeah, Arizona, <laughs> Colorado. I could be there in what five hours or so. Yeah, won't take uh, long. <laughs> Yeah, no, I've I've loved Matthew Ward since I was a kid. Gosh, yeah. his first solo album, uh, Towards Eternity in '78. Yeah. And so, I'm I'm a very introverted person, and when I got to meet him uh, on their farewell tour, um, I didn't know his personality. He's kind of like a like an in your face, and he's kind of introverted too in a in a way. But yes, he's, he's kind of like you know, oh really, you know, he's kind of you know he's kind of jumpy and you know that kind of up upbeat personality he's a joker yeah he's a joker <laughs> but i didn't realize that so i thought he was kind of i thought he was being a jerk to me um because i said hey i'm I just wanted to say i you know i 
wanted to meet you all these years. My name's Tim. I was in Striper. And he's like, oh, really? Like, <laughs> it was like, <laughs> oh, really? So I go, it was no big deal. But, um, and I remember I talked to Nellie or Annie, one of them would say, oh, yeah. I met them. And I said, well, I'm Tim. I was in the band Striper. And she, oh, you got to go meet my brother, Matthew. He's over there. You know, so I went over and you know, but yeah, gosh, I love the guy's voice. And we've even been catching like some of his later stuff, his later videos that he's mm -hmm. putting out. He's got some stuff out on YouTube that he's done like live shows and stuff. That's really good. I love it. Oh. <clears throat> well, I, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but I, I, I've had uh, several people on, on my podcast who Striper was their influence. And, and I know that you're good friends with with the couple I'm talking about, one being Dale, D Dale Thompson. And uh, yeah, I had, I had Jamie Rowe on in December. Yeah. Love Jamie too. Jamie's a great guy. And, <clears throat> and when you were talking about Christian music, I was taken back to when, what Jamie was talking about the term Christian music. Yeah. So, so, but it's, it's awesome that he's still recording and Dale's still recording and, you know, you've got what you've going on. Would would you, if the circumstances were right, would you play with the band again? You know, I don't know if I would, uh, in the sense of going out on the road. Um, boy, I, times have changed. I don't even want to get on an airplane if it means I got to wear a mask. You know what I mean? It's right. Just, it's it's not. I don't like traveling. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It would have to be the right situation. I'm not opposed to doing shows like one-off concerts, but actually right. going out and doing a tour, I don't know if I would. And then, then the last question I'm going to ask, if the circumstances were right, would you do a one-off with Striper again? Yeah, I think, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of stuff that would probably need to be worked out beforehand, but yeah, I mean, if, if there was like a, if they were playing in town or whatever, or if there was some big event and they, they, uh, I don't know. It, it would, it would have to be the right situation. It would have to be the yeah. right situation. You know, cause yeah. Yeah, a lot, a lot of things were said, a lot of stuff happened and, you know, we don't need to cover that again, but, but uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's one thing that the fans would go crazy for. Yeah, they would. I mean, the fans, there's a lot of great fans out there. A lot of great striper fans that have, stood by me through the last you know, how long has it been now uh eight years yeah seven or eight years so i mean uh yeah i'm not opposed to anything i'm just not health-wise i'm not in a place where i could go out and just do that you know i'd right. have to do a lot of uh, uh wait a lot of working out <laughs> right <laughs> but uh yeah i just i'm i'm at a point right now where i i'm you know, my joints, everything is just, I'm in pain all the time because of Lyme disease. So, yeah, um, just, I'm not sure if I could do it, but, um, boy, I sure love playing and, and I love getting up Sunday mornings and, uh, uh, leading worship or helping to lead yeah. worship. And, sure. um, and I love recording. Um, I love playing on other people's records. So, um, yeah, but yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to that at all. And then I just thought of this. Now, uh, I don't remember what year it was, but didn't you play bass for Kenny's Elton tribute band? Yeah, I did. Um, we did a couple of, sh uh, like, we did some one-off shows or weekends, I should say. 
And uh, boy, that was a lot of fun because I was a huge Elton John fan. Yeah. And uh, I knew all the songs already. So um, I I put on a wig and I had uh, my my platform shoes and bell bottom pants and so I, <laughs> I played the part. <laughs> I enjoyed it. That's awesome. Well, I've, I'm not going to keep you any longer, Tim. I can't thank you enough for taking time out to to run over some some history and just just talk. It felt awesome. good. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, hey, my voice held up. I was, I'm, I'm surprised. But, and, 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 um, and you have a better excuse than 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 Metcalf did. You know, we we know we both know what he was doing when he right, lost right. his voice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've had this. I've had a sinus infection for since uh, before Christmas, and I finally went into the doctor this this last week, and they put me on steroids to get the infection down, and that's made my voice, or not the infection, but the swelling, and uh, that's caused my voice to just like disappear. I'll be talking, and all of a sudden, it's just like nothing comes out. So it's it's held up for this this hour, which is great. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Tim, I, you know, maybe we'll get to do this again in the future, but, but this was a blast and thank you a thousand times over. All right, Rob. Thank you, brother. All right. God bless you, buddy. God bless you too. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Big thank you goes to uh, Tim Gaines for uh, joining me today on the podcast. Wow, what a what a blessing that uh, that was. The man's been through a lot, and uh, by the grace of God, he's pulled through. So yeah, keep uh, keep Tim and his family in your prayers. That was uh, that was something special. Period. That's all I can say. Anyway, so yeah, thanks, Tim. And uh, thank you guys for listening. If you liked what you heard, please hit that subscribe button. Whatever music platform or whatever podcast platform you're listening listening on, hit that subscribe button so you can uh, see what's coming up next. And uh, wow, you know, send me an email at uh, santarobpodcast at gmail.com if you have a topic you'd like me to hit. Or uh, uh, head over to Facebook at Slaying It with Santa Rob. Hit that like button. Leave me a comment there. Huge thank you goes out to my two awesome sponsors, uh, Brett Christmer's Mustache Wax, the home of Santa Rob Mustache Wax. Uh, to find him, it's bscenterprises.com. And uh, you can use uh, discount code Santa Rob to save 15% on your first order. And if you uh, like collecting things like uh, wrestling figures or Hot Wheels or old video games or video game systems, uh, head over to Hotspot Toys and Collectibles or CollectiblesandToys.com. Sorry, Hotspot Collectibles and Toys.com. Uh, use Santa Rob as your discount code and save 15% there. And uh, yeah, I'm still shaken from uh, how great that interview was. Tim Gaines, man, what a story. Um, thank you guys for listening and uh, tune in next week for another episode of Slaying It with Santa Rob.